I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, my guest today is Christian Gehring. He is a runner and artist. He uh, went to Fort Lewis College, still holds their 8K record at a 24-13, went to Santa Fe Indian School, is a trail runner, ultra runner for Solomon USA. He holds the course record for the Javelina 100K, uh, set last year with a 7.58. Um, and the Hemis 50 mile trail run with a 7.57 also course record. Yeah, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Seb, for having me and uh, be uh, be a part of this. Uh, I think wonderful resource to New Mexico runners and and I think people across the state and possibly across the nation. So thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Uh, my first question is, how did you get into running? Yeah, it's it's a uh... Good question. Very relevant, just because I, I I do it now. Going on, I'm going on 29 years old, but I'd say it started from really a young age. You know, just the idea around play. Uh, my family, being my parents, my mom and dad had always emphasized that. You know, if you're bored, there's always things for you to do. From a very young age, and I always recognized that. And if I was gonna getting close to being bored. I'd rather go play outside than read a book or read the newspaper. So I'd always be outside and moving, running with my friend, you know, playing tag with my friends, hide and seek, making up imaginary games with my cousins and things like that. Um, so, you know, when I think about, you know, my movement or when I run, I think about the fact of play and, and the joy that comes from moving my body. But uh, I'd say, you know, my background isn't in uh, running like from a very young age, like a, in, in, in the sports sense. But I did grow up playing soccer pretty much all my life until I switched over to running. I started playing soccer at five years old in Las Vegas, Nevada, where my dad was my coach. And, you know, he kind of instilled in me that when you're playing a sport like that, that is predominantly cardio-based, running up and down the field for 90 minutes, that, you know, you can be big, small, have you know not the most amount of resources in terms of if you have the nicest cleats or if you have the you know the most people on your team but if you have that spirit to to with to endure 90 minutes you're gonna leave that field feeling proud of your effort that you did even if you got blown out of the game like 10 to 0 the team will have to work for every possession of that ball and how he kind of related that to us is that we're gonna be able to build our cardio so before practice, we'd be running laps around the around the field. In the middle of practice, we'd be doing hill workouts, and even after practice, we'd start. You know, we do a lot of just running drills. So, you know, having that basis, and I hear a lot of that from my other friends who transition from soccer to running, is that soccer is a good basis to build cardio because it has a lot of dynamic motion in terms of fast twitch muscles, but also just endurance in terms of lasting forty five minutes within within uh, one one uh, half of the game so yeah it's kind of stemmed from there and um 
I played I played soccer, was on a varsity soccer school uh, team back in back in Las Vegas at Centennial High, but also was just in the very competitive league. And at one point towards the end of my, I guess, career with soccer, I was uh, selected for the Olympic Development Program in Nevada, which is, you know, a, which is a pool, a collection of uh, soccer athletes from around the state that are, you know, usually the state hopefuls to go to go and actually go off to college to, you know, get 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 a get their experience on at a collegiate level. But uh, I just kind of fell out of it because uh, I realized uh, it's a it's a team sport. So a lot of politics come into it. And that's where I start to notice that you can be a good player, but you also got to play the game. And by, by play the game, I mean, you got to also like be able to, you know, in some way, in some cases, negotiate or, you know, be safe face around people to that way people can like you. So you get opportunity, you know, if, if there's a lot, a lot of people on the bench or on a team we're all fighting for that one position to be striker. So sometimes talent can shine, but also hard work doesn't always get recognized because of there being so many people that are willing to work hard. Um, so after that, I, you know, after I think it was my sophomore year, I decided to take a break from um, soccer. And uh, my my father and my brother at the time, my brother was going off to uh, the Marines and boot camp and, one thing my dad wanted to do to send him off before he went off, you know, into the military, the Marines, was that he wanted to do a family, uh, you know, a, a father-son bonding type event. So he signed us up for a marathon, the, La- the Las Vegas Rock and Roll Marathon. And at this point, I was about, uh, my brother was 18, so probably about, I was 13. He's five years older than me. And my dad was, you know, excited for us to challenge ourselves and do it together. But at that moment, I was a cocky young little kid thinking, you know, I can beat both of them. I'm, I got tons of energy, you know, 26.2 miles ain't nothing. Uh, let alone, I didn't know that it actually takes a lot of training and and base building to be able to run 26.2 to eventually come start of the race by the end of my, you know, my 13th year around the, around the sun. Um, I took off like a bat out of hell was running with my brother and probably by mile 11 I broke down I had knee knee problems I had you know things going on with my breathing I just was like demolished and at that point my brother felt bad for me because he he felt he was kind of egging me on throughout the race and by yeah about halfway through the race I just kind of almost like came to a walk but by mile 22 you know the last like I want to say five you know five to eight K eight K of the race, my dad ends up passing us. And within that moment, you know, all, all the, all the hopes for me to beat my dad was out the window. I literally see him smiling. He's having a good time talking with people, you know, and I'm just, I'm, I'm obliterated, man. I'm like, my legs are shot. I'm not happy. I'm like frustrated. It's hot. And, um, eventually my brother takes off too. He decides to leave me that last five K and he's trying to ch- catch up to my dad. But at that point, my dad was already well ahead of us. So it actually ends up turning out that my dad beat both my brother and I. And after that race, I couldn't walk like right or I couldn't walk like a normal person for about two weeks. <laughs> uh, and granted, my training leading up to this race was probably maybe at most three months of training. And I had a year's worth of like, you know, awareness that I was going to do this race. But it wasn't even consecutive days. I would run maybe... On a Monday, two weeks later, I'd run on a Tuesday, Wednesday. Like it was not consistent, but 
I like to think that's where I first started my career in, in running where I, I grew I grew from that. <laughs> it's not a traumatic, but very vivid experience because I literally went to a place that I, I don't think I've ever returned to because uh, it's it's just so, in it's such a cool first time experience, but also very vivid. Yeah, yeah I, I can't even, I can't even imagine wanting to go back for a run after having an experience like that. You know, especially, you know, at that age, I'd be like. No, running isn't for me. I'm done for life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, so, I think from that experience, something's shown through of of, of uh, being able to go up, go to a place that um, for me, I can almost find comfort in and, and sometimes the uncomfortability of how my body may be reacting to stressors, meaning like, you know, distance or, or time on my feet and uh, almost going to a place where now I can start to align my mind, right? Where that classic saying mind over matter starts to come into play. And that's, that's where, even though I wasn't saying that at that young of age, I felt that, right. I felt real in, in relation to that feeling because after it, I felt, you know, a desire to like, wow, that was such a vivid enhancing experience to me that I'm processing it in this way, you know? So, right. Yeah. And, and so that was, that was early on. And then you, you come down to Santa Fe Indian School and you jump down and you're running. I mean, it's five k's, two miles during track. It's a a little bit different. Had you done anything shorter like that before the marathon? I mean, outside of you know running back and forth in in soccer games and stuff. No, no, never, never anything shorter than a marathon, and never anything outside of a a soccer game. You know. So I just came, went from like zero to a hundred real quick. <laughs> when I'm going in at SFS, SFIS, when I was a junior, I transferred from Nevada to move back to my, my grandparents' place in the Pueblo of San Felipe. And, um, you know, they didn't have a soccer program. So I was like, well, what other sport could I play? I was like, I could play basketball, but I'm not really that tall. Could play, I don't, I'm not a big fan of football. I never really got, was into baseball. So I was like, well, I ran a marathon, you know, and I remember talking to Coach Grimley, who, you know, he's passed at the time, or he's passed on now, but uh, he was one of the first people I talked to about, you know, I, I have this experience running a marathon, and I remember all the coaches being tripped out because they're like, what? Like, you've already run a marathon? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they were they were interested by the fact that I did that already at that age. Um, yeah, and it just uh, – I think it set me up for trying to learn the sport through them. So. Wow. Yeah, that's that's definitely unique. And, you know, what was that transition like coming mm -hmm. from Las Vegas, Nevada to San Felipe, going, you know, in Santa Fe, at, mm -hmm. um, Santa Fe Indian School? What, what was that like for you? Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, Culturally, not, 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 you know, not like a culture shock, you know, I, I, I've, I've grown up here in New Mexico, you know, I, I did grow up in Vegas, uh, but every summer I'd be out here for three months, pretty much the whole summer break when I was going to school and growing up. So, you know, I've already had strong ties to, to the, to the place here, to the land, to the people and my family, my friends, but yeah, to fully like commit to then like boarding, I was, I was a boarding student at the Indian school. So I was living on campus. That was a cool experience. I really, I really enjoyed it. You know, I really got the chance to kind of have some sense of independence from my family and start to kind of 
figure out what I want out of life, even though I was still in a foster, you know, a nurturing environment like a school. And from my perspective, like it, it really gave me a sense of confidence, you know, because um, at the time there were things going on with my family that made it to where I felt more comfortable being a little more independent. And yet um, it also, you know, there's that like that jump or that leap you're taking. You're, you're not sure if like it'll work out the way you're imagining. But I think, you know, being able to find community within the running program at SFIS what is what really I think in some cases grounded me because I would say all the friends that I have now that I'm still friends with all, we all connected through either track and field or cross country. So it, it, it was something that I think for the, you know, the transition you're acting about really helped me uh, ease into it than just being so like abrupt changing of, of schools and friend group, you know, that whole dynamic, especially at a teenager age, you're like, you know, you're having personality, you're developing your, outlook on life but yet that school the community the people there really provided me a place to uh, grow that's amazing and i have to imagine that you know having some of that independence and being at a boarding school mm-hmm. and being around other you know yet still being around other people um, that you could connect with and identify with mm-hmm must have made that transition to college a, a little bit easier as well. Yeah. I mean, surprisingly not so. Okay. <laughs> you know, I would say what, what gave me uh, with that experience going back to transitioning from, you know, a public school to then, a you know, indigenous, you know, indigenous all Pueblo owned school like SFIS, it made, you know, it made the connection to why I was able to run a marathon culturally relevant and culturally cement the fact that that's why I I could do that. You know, inherently in my body, my genetic memory, I felt new that, that I was capable of doing that. And when I went to school there, there was more an emphasis of understanding why that's important. Running is important, not only as a sport, but as, as a practice, as a routine to bring understanding to who you want to be as a person. And that, that'll look different for everybody, you know, and like, people's relationship with running might change. But for me, it reassured me in the decisions I was making in relation to how running boosts my confidence, running boosts my perspective and outlook. So, you know, then, you know, we fast forward to then going to college, you know, I initially actually, I was, I was, I initially signed up, I took about a year break after high school and decided to go to uh, just to work a little bit, you know, worked in, worked in a little restaurant in Bernalillo with my cousin and, and a couple other my friends. And I just wanted to see, like, I was like, you know, I, I wasn't, again, from that time, I never went to state at SFIS. I never was a standout runner. I was a part of the top five, but I never went to state. I never ran on the state team. I never qualified for state on track and field. So I was kind of like, you know, like I was good, but I wasn't like, you know, like this hopeful for the school or for my community. But yet, you know, one thing I saw is that I was getting better from like my first experience of running a marathon to then being able to like, you know, like compete at a, at a high school level. Yet there were a lot of things from my high school experience that instilled in me that, you know, talent's one thing and then you add talent and hard work and that's a whole nother thing. Right. But right. then you have talent, hard work and commitment or not even necessarily commitment, but discipline. And that'll take you multitude of ways, you know, and that's where, 
through Grimley, through Grosby, through Ed Aragon, and even I'd say my good friends who are part of my team, Kurt and Steve Mora, their father, Ben Mora, uh, really kind of honed in this fact of like, you know, one race is is one race and you, you can show up on that day and it could be anyone's day, but your relationship to running is going to be for the rest of your life. So, you know, the race, the race in essence is your life, you know, and how you're going to choose to live it. You know, it was heartbreaking when I got, I got cut from the, not cut from the team, but I got, I got my spot taken from a JV runner at districts my senior year. And there was a strict rule from coach uh, Grimley that like, if anyone, if any JV uh, team member passes you in a race and beats you, they take your spot. And that was like, the districts is the cutoff. So like, I was past the last race of the season before going to state. So it was like heartbreak. You know, it's heartbreaking for me. I, I just was like top five on the team. I was the alternate, you know, and I remember feeling some way because the person that beat me, my good friend Christian, he was a, he was a sophomore. He had like two more years. You know, or he was a junior. He had like one more year. And I was like, wow, like my last year, I don't get to compete. And that year they went on to get second place, you know. So there was just a lot of emotion behind it. Yet at the same time, I had a community to help me understand that, you know, you, 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 didn't, you didn't perform that race. You know, you didn't do well, but your relationship to running is, again, lifelong and it shouldn't be based upon accolades or by, you know, performance. It should be based upon the fact of your passion, what you really want out of this, you know, this, this practice. So, you know, that was kind of like what set me up. But, you know, again, I, I think I was getting at was that um, I eventually ended up going to taking a break out of high school. And then I want to go to an art school, which kind of will allude to later when you start bringing up other talking points, is that I decided to enroll in that, the Institute of American Indian Arts. And uh, yeah, they didn't have any sports programs, but I wanted to be a, you know, a studio artist. I wanted to do a multitude of disciplines around sculpting, metalworks, and illustration. But uh, at that time, man, I'm, I'm, I'm also, I'm losing a community I recognize outside of high school in the running community that I think was transformative when I moved here and gave me grounding. And when I left that to go to become more, a little more independent at college, I just got in the wrong crowd, man. I was, I was smoking pot, you know, uh, smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, uh, you know, kind of living the art party life and, and, and surrounding myself with people that enjoyed that. And I'd say there was some sense that I liked that, but I also recognize the people that cared for me were recognizing this change because they saw me having, you know, success within the, you know, back at SFIS. And then I go to, decided to go to an art school and I'm just completely changing. I'm losing my direction in life. Or that's what they felt. Like my good friend, my good mentor and friend, Chantra Hill, really kind of instilled in me, hey, like, you're changing. And it's not like, it's not like he doesn't like the change. He just, he just recognizes because he's older that this change is going to lead to a, a very similar path to a lot of people that have taken it. And then you may end up regretting it or resenting your decision towards that type of lifestyle. You know, so I, I eventually got kicked out of the dorms at IAI for, for, for having marijuana on me. And um, I couldn't sustain living in Santa Fe. I mean, I, I barely can do it now based upon the lifestyle I live. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I essentially just, you know, I took a break after that first year of school because I was kind of like at this point, you know, like of just going down a wrong path, getting kicked out of school and 
I rooted back to my grandparents, my grandparents and my mentor. I took a took a took another, you know, that that year I took off. I ended up, you know, just working in the field with my grandpa. We were growing corn, we we're growing all sorts of other traditional plants, squash, peas, chili, melons. I mean, it was really something that gave me purpose that and again, similar to running, it's not that it's so so immediate in the result you know it was like you plant that seed and you you have to nurture it and take care of it and i start to see that like if i can treat my life like that and maybe treat running like this i can i can have a fruitful life it may not be tomorrow i get it but 10 years from now i can so i started doing that and that's when my good buddy sean and my mentor and a couple of my other friends maya nina from tasuki my good friend joseph skeets who's the ne we eventually started going on the weekends during that time off from my, you know, college uh, experience, going up and hiking and camping in the in the Pecos and Santa Fe wilderness here. And we were just, you know, my mentor at the time, Sean, was just letting me know that, like, these are the experiences that you'll remember. You're not going to remember drinking and smoking with the person you did that for the fifth time in a row in the last month, you know, because most likely you're intoxicated. You're not going to know who you are by the time you're done doing that. And by then your life will have gone on for two, five, 10 years. And some people, they don't. And that's and that's hard. That's hard to deal with and be able to turn yourself and look at yourself in the mirror. And he recognized that in me and he recognized the potential in me. So, you know, within those experiences in the mountains and backpacking, we were, I was able to cultivate again, if I refer it to the field, like I was planting a seed there because we were growing to the mountains with intention to find not like who we are, but to be able to pull that out of us. And that's where kind of my mountain running or ultra running experience took off because we ended up backpacking into these remote places. And then we'd like, you know, you'd get there in the middle of the day. What would you do? Well, let's go run to that peak and see what we could see when we get up to the top of it. Or we'd start throwing like pine cones at each other and like playing tag with it or, or you know, just running around being a little, little 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 deers and squirrels in the, in the forest you know and it just was a beautiful time to to recenter and reground myself into something that I found purpose in and that from that point is when I decided that about after that year break that I was going to go back into school and I was gonna do it by I need my education because I, I or at least I want to become aware of things that I can that can help me in my life uh, I decided that I was going to, you know, walk onto the Fort Lewis cross country team to help me have a community because I was going further away. Fort Lewis College is in Durango, Colorado. So it's even full, it's even further away from Santa Fe or from the Pueblo. Right. So I needed that structure I, I recognized. So I, you know, I decided I signed up for school and immediately when I got accepted, I called the coach and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm walking on. I just would like a chance to just run with y'all and see 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 what I got, you know, because I, I couldn't really speak to anything of worthy because my high school career wasn't that like glamorous. And I already take I'd already been off like a year and a half from school. So, you know, he's like, yeah, walk on, pay 250 bucks for, you know, camp and, you know, it, it'll be fun. So I ended up signing up and within the week before going, you know, starting classes, we went up to a running camp up in uh, just in between Durango and Silverton called Colbank Pass. And the runs there, the first time I was running there, I was just, I was like, this is out of a magazine. It was so unreal. 
that were, our runs were at high altitude, running along ridgelines and beautiful trails. And that's where I was like, this is, this is something I could, I could do. This is something that will help me receive an education and experiences that will help me, it will set me up for life down the road. And then I got to meet a bunch of people, man. I got to, I was running at the time with two Kenyans that were coming from uh, a small village in Kenya. And I was just so blown away. You know, I've only saw about, I've only heard about Kenyan runners on TV, you know, through a lot of the marathons and shorter distance track races. And now here I am running with a Kenyan. And they're the, they're, they're, they're one of the best runners on the team. My, my good friend, Kip, Kip Mutai and Michael. Um, and I really got close with them because I said, you know, like if they're the best then I want to run with the best, you know, I want to, I want to get better through, through running with them. And, um, that first year was, it was hard because, uh, I was, I could tell a lot of these other, I wasn't a traditional student. So at that point, I think I was like, I think I was almost 20 or I was 19. And a lot of these other people were like 17 or 18. So I was like a little older, uh, yet I recognized that uh, I had a little more experience of like kind of trial and error and really getting to know my body at the time to where, uh, yeah, by the end of the season, I, you know, I just committed to to running and, and a training plan and ended up being the top runner on the team by my by my last race of the season. I remember beating my friend, good friend Kip and from there, I just had a, a, a upward rise because I just continued to 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 focus, to root and and ground myself in 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 routine with with the practice of running, and recognizing that there's still so much to be like enjoyed through running. Although like I'm like trying to compete, and I'm around these competitive athletes because we had at the time, you know, I was running against Adam State, which is like one of the best programs in the nation, even at Division One level. Right. They Colorado University. We have Colorado School of the Mines. We got, you know, there's just all these schools that are known as I'm coming into this Division Two realm of athletics that they're, you know, they're some of the best. So I'm running. I'm like recognizing. I'm running with Kenyans. I'm running with some of the best programs in the world that I'm surrounding myself with people that are going to help me get better as a person and as an athlete. And all I simply saw it is that, again, what I was sharing with you is like, there's talent. And I feel like I naturally had some talent. I like to work hard. And the biggest thing I was noticing is that it just takes a level of commitment and discipline to be able to reach those goals. So I was just like, I can do that. I can do that for four years while I'm trying to get my education as well. And yeah, by the end of my you know senior year, I'm setting the, you mentioned the record. I set the record in the 8K for the school, which hadn't been set for since like the eighties, I think the guy, Charles England, I mean, he's still alive, but he said it a while ago. And then on top of that, I was also, you know, I, my sophomore year was the first year in like 25 years, Fort Lewis went to nationals as a team. And that was a big thing. That's just going to nationals. That's not saying we're trying to win nationals or podium as a team, but we're going. And that gave me that incentive. Again, I'm getting these little nuggets and these little gems of, of experiences and competition that is just motivating me to, to follow through, to continue that commitment, to continue that, that, uh, that routine, that discipline to where then by my junior and senior year, I'm going as an individual and I'm now at a point where I'm like in contention for all American. I never got all American status, but 
that was always elusive and that was always on the back of my mind that I potentially could be an All-American. But, uh, you know, we try. You know, you shoot, you shoot for the – you shoot for the stars and you land amongst the moon. I'd say I'm still kind of floating in space, but uh, uh, I'm trying to make sense of it, you know? I think, you know, being right there on near All-American Amer- All is amazing. Being able to qualify as an individual coming out of the RMAC, like you said, I mean, it's one of the toughest conferences across, you know, all divisions, Division One included. And, and, and that's, that's huge, you know, but, you know, listen, listening to you talk and, and you mentioned it, this passion for running and learning how it was, you know, culturally a part of you and, and learning how that kind of your body kind of knew what to do. And, and so I want to come back to the running here in a second, but, you know, you talked about going to, to art school and, you know, with, with a lot of native peoples you know that that art is very cultural as well is that how you fell into the art or or was there something else that drew you to that i think i've always tried to make sense of like what is it that i like to be creative and like why is it that i want to be artistic in the way that i do you know and like I, i i'm still visiting with it i'm still like trying to figure out what that means to me but uh you know i do have a lot of my relatives families that within my family that are very creative and very, I think, resourceful, if anything. And I think that is a level of art art in itself to be resourceful with what you have at hand, whether that be the jobs you're working, whether that be if you're trying to make a shed out of like a bunch of weird materials or if you're trying to make, you know, like I remember my grandpa making a shovel or a, a hoe out of a shovel, you know, and being like, that is, that is resourceful at its finest, you know, like, that's that's art you know he's creative he's 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 seen as a problem or something that needs to be fixed and he has a solution and you know for me earlier on i always pictured art you know people that are artistic are this way of like they're just in this flow this zone and you know they're just born with it like you're just born there's like people that are born creative and others that are not that creative but the more i start to see that there's art in the way that I run. There's art in the way that I see people that make food for me. There is creative expression when people care for each other, if they're teachers, if they're home care providers, if they're people that are, you know, involved with um, providing for their family. Like that is, that is art, you know, and I start to realize, yeah, like life is art or art is life, however you want to view it, or some cliche saying. Yet, I still felt like I would, you know, even, even to this day, I'm still figuring it out what that means, but I know that the means to be creative is through the fact of my movement is the fact that it starts when I go on a run, that process of understanding what my creative, what, what, what I can, where I can go with my creativity, because I've, you know, as a runner and you know, this Seb, like we have a lot of time on our feet. <laughs> so yeah. we're like, you could be listening to music and I know people enjoy that. Or you could be running with friends. You could be in a beautiful scenic area where you're taking all in, but either way you're with self, even if you're with people or with music or in those situations, you are still with yourself. And for me, I've always felt that on those runs, I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of reflective pieces. I have a lot of scenarios I make up or, you know, and I start to notice that like a lot of these things, are coming through my movement. And it's not always just running. It's sometimes going for a walk. It's sometimes 
being able to stretch and have that moment to give, you know, appreciation to my body. It really is the fact of like, almost like what I like to think is like when I'm running or when I'm in movement, I'm moving a message. And it just so happens that I have this ability to be creative and use pencils and paint and paper and tell stories that give, that give, give it meaning, give it sustenance. So, you know, um, yeah, I'd say it's definitely culturally tied, but uh, the more I see it being culturally tied, the more I start to recognize that everyone's capable of it. Whether you, you are a, a, a sculptor, a potter, a cook, uh, a dancer, a teacher, right? And just the same, I would go for people that don't think they're runners. I know people, if you're an able-bodied person, you don't have any disabilities, physical or mental, or that didn't impair you from living a full life, then you most likely have a memory where you are running. And that's where it goes back to like what I first started out with is like, when you're growing up, you're playing, you know, you're going outside and playing with friends. I've known many people that have memories. Well, I remember we'd run to the river or we'd run up the hill by grandma's house, or we'd be doing this. And yet in that moment, they weren't considered runners. They're just playing, but you're running right it's only becomes as we get older we get all these like labels and ideologies like what what a runner is it a lot of times it's it's like in this culture this society it's like well the person that wears short shorts and has like tech wear is a runner <laughs> but <laughs> like you can and it's proven throughout all societies around the world it don't matter if you don't if you don't have that and there's my good friends who i ran with on my cross-country team at, at fort lewis they're for the seven years, 10 years of their life when they're starting, you know, when they're young, they had no shoes, they told me. And some of the times when I'd be running with them, they had shoes that were like, they weren't considered running shoes, but they're still beating me in my workout. And I'm just blown away because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, the means it's not what, it's not what you have, right? It's not the, the material. It's not the, position you're in or the situation it's all about what you can bring you know and when you on a run or when you're deciding to go on a run it's what you bring if it happens to be that you can't run today but you're walking that's a beautiful thing you're bringing that energy you're bringing that time to give yourself that of that practice and routine to where for me it's it's it, it's what keeps my interest in it and, it and what makes me think of that it is artistic running and being in movement in that way in relation to my body in relation to the land in relation to others because the more i start to see i inspire others by the fact of me running that's like a that's like a similar notion of like when someone looks at the mona lisa or they look at like a beautiful pottery they're inspired or they get this feeling you know and i and i get the chance to do that you know i get the chance to do that not only for them but also for myself so it's this reciprocal relationship that ties in with art that ties in with movement and that ties in with my life you know it's like i'm trying to cultivate a life that is beautiful and that i'd hope that people can take bits and pieces and reference it to make it you know applicable to their life i think that's a a, a great way to to look at it and you keep on kind of going back to this play and and you know, just has this idea of joyfulness. And I, I feel like, you know, for me, running is joyful. It mm. brings me, it brings me happiness. And, 
And I think that ties in with what you're saying about this kind of being a kid and you just, you just go out there and you just are, you just do, you just be. And running is our time to do that. And, you know, kind of um, interesting how you are connecting that with your art and it's all kind of one together. Mm. Your, your art and your running are both, you know, have this, kind of playful aspect to it that you that you're able to kind of connect which which I think is amazing and mm. you know right now you you through your art you're you did create a, a coloring book which mm. really speaks to that kind of playfulness and so you 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 have a fellowship right now with the Santa Fe Art Institute mm. um, and, and do you want to talk a little bit how you were able to to get into that and and what you're doing through that yeah yeah, I was, to be honest, I mean, you asked the people that you know gave offered me that opportunity, even my fellow, who I'm I'm a, in the fellowship with Diego. That like, at times I'm like, am I like, I've just been involved with running so long that it's it's starting to like it baffles me that now I'm I'm in an art space, right? Because I've I've been in many places, like in many competitions, races, international and national races that like I don't feel uncomfortable i feel like okay like it's competitive right you got to have a competitive edge you got to be able to really be beyond beyond point but like within this opportunity i'm like uh like am i an artist i guess i am you know like but that's that that's that you know like i guess more a little bit of insecurity but uh not not for the fact that i'm not an artist but the fact that i'm putting myself out there right like there's always that that leap of being able to like if you look at it and running it's like you know you want to you're gonna want to PR in this race, but you you don't know if it's gonna happen, right? Like you're gonna do all the training that will lead you up to it, but you don't know, you know, if like that day you you, you just have a bug or something goes on. But that's how it kind of is. Like you know, um, I decided that uh, I wanted to. I'm being intentional at this point in my life that uh, I feel a little more confidence through my experiences that I want to be able to braid these things together, my running and my art, in some form or, or capacity. So yeah, with this within this fellowship, I you know uh, I'd say my artistic expression has kind of ebbed and flowed up until this point. But uh, how I think what they what they were drawn to was that I've made zines in the past for I do a lot of sometimes speaking engagements for youth youth programs, conferences, seminars, and and just organizations. And for me, and kind of like what I allude to within you and I talking is that like. The passion that I have for running is special, yet the passion is interchangeable with any other type of medium or thing that you want to pursue. So there are people that are passionate about cooking. There are people passionate about science and becoming a doctor. But the underlying thing is that passion, right, or that desire, that want, that fire. Yet... I would say within those moments when you're trying to live into that life, you're also confronted with having to make decisions around how you're going to actually embody that. And that's where I'm trying to reference it to the fact of, you know, this fellowship is because I made this zine called Imprints. And it kind of breaks down the step-by-step process of me preparing for a race or a long run. And it takes these seven, these six steps into account of how I start with breath. I start with being able to start with being present. And then I move into belief. 
So then moving into this imaginative place, like I'm believing myself and then moving into um, action, moving into the fact that now I have this belief, I'm breathing, I'm going to actually try, I'm going to do, and then recognizing the support that we have. So when I do decide to make that action, I know if I make a mistake or if I do well, I can share that with my community, my people that care about me, or they can call me in and tell me, hey, you know, this time maybe try this. And then the reflective piece of how to keep that going, right? I'm missing a couple other uh, steps, but that's just offhand. But that reflective piece is what, what I return to. So that way you can continue the routine to where when you're confronted with having to feel like you want to live fully into your passion, your desire of who you want to be, you can use that. And that's what runners do, I feel. We're just all, with when it comes to following through on our run or wanting to PR or do well in this race, we're negotiating how we want to internalize moments to get the result we want. It may not always be what we want, but it, at times it will be what we need, you know? Um, and they were attracted to that zine. It, it, it's not only a zine, so it has some, you know, comic-like approaches, but it also is very interactive. It's inviting people to participate. And that's why I try and do. I try when I go to give these discussions, I'm not just trying to tell people, hey, go for a run. You got to run a 50 mile to be a better person. Like it's not going to be the case for everyone. And and sometimes I notice within those spaces, I was talking to, you know, some, some, some you know, A-star athlete that's going to go on to college, has scholarships, has opportunities set up for them. And I think what I'll share with them will resonate with them. But I'm also concerned about the young person that's in the back that maybe not is interested in hearing me talk, but can pull apart points from what I'm sharing with them and make it applicable to their life and not have to feel like, well, if I'm not a runner, I'm not a value, you know, like that's not, that's not healthy, you know, to, to, to compare in a way that like, I don't do this. So therefore I can't live up to the fullest of my potential. And sometimes when you're in those spaces, like being a speaking engagement, you want to motivate, you want to inspire, you want to influence. So with this this fellowship, they saw that being a, a good component to engage with community, that Diego and I have very, we like to illustrate in a way or, 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 or draw in a way that it invites people to have further discussion around what we draw and what we do. Um, so we did this recent coloring book in relation to what is kind of happening around the state and I'd say around the nation, around monuments. And I wouldn't say, I'm not going to refer to the obelisk right now, but I'm referencing the point that when we think about place, when I think about my relationship to place, I think about home, right? I think about home and home doesn't always necessarily mean a physical home, but home also can represent like a grandmother's hug or a place or a space where you're playing with your friends or you're around your family or people that you care and love about that what makes it home, right? And with here in Santa Fe, we live along, we live amongst the lands of Tewa people being that this Santa Fe was established as a Tewa village and was essentially built upon that being Santa Fe, but this village was called Ogopoge Owinge, which stands for White Shell Water Place. And, you know, as a native person having ties to Gachja or the Pueblo San Felipe and many other communities here along the Rio Grande Valley, that we've always had that connection, you know, that that connection doesn't leave because we're still here. And when I'm running amongst this land, it is home to me. You know, it's treated me in that way. Communities that I built and grown here have given me that opportunity. 
And we want to bring that forth during this time when we're talking about monuments and we're talking about a lot of social issues and constructs that we're wanting to challenge, that want to bring people to understand when we talk about home, why would you treat someone in your home with disrespect in that way? So we're trying to, with this coloring book, invite people to think about the many complexities and maybe even difficult topics around identity, around place, around intentions through this coloring book. So it's a 12-page coloring book that we are now taking some of those graphics and converting them into a mural uh, at Santa Fe Art Institute, which is off of St. Michael's on the Midtown campus where Santa Fe Art University used to be at. And uh, yeah, it's been a fun process and it's we're trying to not only make it just a coloring book, but we're trying to make it an engagement piece around education, around acknowledgement, and around how do we live in acknowledging place, people, and intention when we're actually in community and in, in relation to one another. So we're looking to share this with the school systems here in Santa Fe and any other interested organization, even down in Albuquerque, because again, these conversations and these things that we see in the media, which will skew it one way or the other, you know, can be very divisive. And I don't think there is a recognition that it's a difficult thing to talk about, even on a very individual level of when we talk about identity and home and what that means to us. So it should be treated with a amount of respect and reverence. So we try and we're trying to do it in a way that is you know, it's when you go color, when you're coloring, it's kind of peaceful. It's, it's relaxing and is proven to calm oneself. So we're looking at that intention of trying to start conversation through that as a medium. But uh, yeah, the fellowship we're looking for, we're doing a lot of other cool things around podcasts, around other kind of one-off uh, things around what home and place means to people. Oh, that's great. I think that's... Um kind of a cool way to bring up some of these issues like you said to be able to kind of bring it to all ages and Mm -hmm. and being able to kind of have that start that conversation like you said and you know that kind of got me thinking Mm -hmm. you know as a native person you, you you talked about inspiring and influencing others around running and possibly now through art and and these social issues and you know you are a uh you know again a trail runner for solomon running usa trail running and you know there's been conversations around that aspect of kind of underrepresentation in in running in general but definitely in the ultra and trail running world where there aren't a lot of variety of the people who are running mm-hmm. and, and so what does it mean for you to be a part of that and, and have that sponsorship and and be running and kind of have this you know like you said this cultural background to it um mm-hmm. when there aren't a whole lot of others uh that are that are being represented like that yeah well yeah thanks for that question because yeah it's important you know and i want to be clear at least where I'm coming from is that what I'm doing is nothing new, you know, like me, what I'm doing using my body and my mind and my spirit in a way to try and live a life that I think is, is embodying of culture, tradition, and ties into also just the health and wellness component. Like I'm a, you know, it's, it, 
I recognize when I say it's nothing new is because it's so tied within the Pueblo life way or life experience within many of the communities here in New Mexico. You know, I can reference the Pueblo Revolt, right? Like that is a very interesting topic. If people don't know about the Pueblo Revolt of 1680, that was, you know, being able to be at uh, an opportunity for us to find justice and being uh, treated in a way from colonial rule but really had had a t- connection to movement, not only in the sense of people coming together co- together and collectively organizing to fight for their justice, but also through the physical movement. We have two runners from Tsuki that were able to deliver a knotted cord to share this message. You know, that's one example. But when we think about even cl- closer to home, is that many of our community members and our family and people within our within our family structure didn't have access to vehicles or conveniences that we so-called what, what we have now. The, the What I think at times is a luxury to have a vehicle. And I would still say there are many tribal relatives around different parts of this country that don't have access to some of those same luxuries. Yet we, we are not that far removed from coming from a place where you had to get around on your own feet, your own, tra- your own f- will to be able to get yourself from point A to point B. I mean, I have stories from my, my own grandfather where, yeah, he didn't have access to a, a horse or a carriage or even a truck and had to walk, you know, four miles in one day just to get to the field to do all the field work. And then, you know, be so tired that he wouldn't come home. He would sleep in the field or sleep at the, at the summer home, you know. So, like, that's that's in recent time. That's like two generations removed from me. And when I think about what I'm saying, what I'm doing is nothing new is because this is a luxury that I, I get the chance to interpret movement and running in a way that provides me opportunity to go experience different culture, different places to run in that are beautiful and make connection to why I choose to love to run. But yet that spirit and that energy that I'm using or that I have, that I've been gifted has been shared with my people and many people around the world for since we we've been i think in human existence you know since we've been able to run so you know um when it comes to that point right some i just i like to premise that because when it comes to the sport of trail ultra running it can become so convoluted behind what is the bottom dollar right and that's the honest truth, you know, like when we think about it, ultra running and trail running, as small of a niche sport it is, and as people will try and say it's, you know, I have these experiences running at this race and da 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 it is only brought up when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, because we're recognizing in this time that where our money and where our energy goes, we want to be valued in those spaces. So if I'm an only brown person within a, a, a ultra marathon trail race and the race is called something like squaw spirit, which is a derogatory term for a woman's body part in the, in the native language, that is not, that's not okay. I'm putting my money and my energy towards something that is disregarding something that I find to be offensive. People might come say, well, that's too politically correct or you're, you're sensitive. But the point of the fact of it matter is if in that same community that's saying, you know, I have such a 
metaphysical, meditative, therapeutic experience in the outdoors, I'd say that's great. But not many people are afforded that because of stuff like that. It's a very small little nuance to name something that could be, you know, um, could be problematic. But it's another thing that that also is in compliance or is complicit with behaviors that actually people might be getting hurt. Like when we talk about missing emerging indigenous women in rural areas where a white runner might see that as a great place to go run, but a person who is um, a, a marginalized person or person that has history with trauma, that may not be a great place to go run. So we're coming from different places because of the historical context. So when we talk about representation, representation is important because it gives, it builds in the sense of confidence and it gives a sense of recognition in the sense that now that we're being recognized, because it's weird to think that, you know, representation is also being that we're seen now, but we've been here. It's a weird, it's a weird, confusing type of thing that it now we're talking about what we bring and we bring these things with us. You, I can bring my nice flowy long hair and elegant way of running, but I also bring the struggles that I experience to even make it to that start line. And I would say those struggles are just as beautiful as my brown skin being amongst a, a photo of, of the race. And it, you, you, can't, you, can't, you, know, you can't separate people's experiences from this one community or experience of a, of a race because we bring ourselves our whole, I, I expect when people go into spaces to bring their whole self. I wouldn't want anyone to feel like they have to lessen themselves because it's, 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 it's un- un- unsettling. But when it's a predominantly white space, that normally is what happens when people of color, black indigenous people of color go into it because we are a minority in that space. So if we're talking about inclusion, that means representation should be at the forefront and when we talk about dollars, we talk about opportunity for people like myself, Joseph Gray, other black indigenous people of color runners within certain niche sports like ultra marathon trail running, there should be an emphasis to support those people, but also recognize that they'll have connections to other people that they're, that they're influencing. I'm, I may not get the benefit of what is going on today, but I know that my cousin who's an up and coming runner from SFIS might. And so on and so forth. It becomes this thing that builds into it to where we don't have to even talk about it as it's important to include Native people and represent it. And that's the weird thing is like when we talk about the complexity around race and you know diversity, equity, inclusion, it has to be brought into the context of how practices are instilled. But it's because within the society, we aren't valued in the same way. And that's, and that's, and that's a whole different you know, conversation. But but it's 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 prevalent in in ultra trail running community. It's you know it, it's it's sad, but it's also a beautiful thing because we're seeing more and more people be able to narrate and blend their life to be able to show their whole self as it relates to what they care, what they like to do, what they're passionate about running, but also being bring their whole perspective to a situation if they are a black and Jewish person of color. I think that's a great insight and and. You know, I think that's important to remember kind of what you said. It's it's not, it may not happen right now for you, but your your cousin, your younger cousin's next generation might see the benefits 
of you know talking about this about about pushing this idea that everybody should feel included and inclusive and, and being representative and knowing that it's um like i kind of hate the cliche it's a <laughs> it's a marathon not a sprint but i mean it's it's a good analogy of, of the fact that this this isn't something that that just can happen right away you know much like your first marathon and going out and <laughs> blowing up at mile 11 at 13 years old there may be some blow-ups in this and but ultimately you know the goal is to cross that finish line and 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 have a space for everybody yeah definitely and i you know i want to be clear too that my perspective is based upon my experiences and that's not also being able to take into account that other people are going to have different relationships to running and right. really like outdoor outdoor because if we're talking about trail ultra marathon running I would say that a native woman or a non-gender conforming indigenous person is going to have a different experience outdoors because that's where we're primarily doing these events. So the thing for me is that if I have the opportunity to make space by being represented, right, if I get the platform to be in a place of representation, then I want to be able to like spread things out to give space so that way someone else can join because what I'm sharing is coming from a very cis-hetero indigenous way of thinking or man you know man way of thinking and i think it's beautiful that i get a chance to have a a piece of uh, the stage and a seat at the table but i'm recognizing that uh when other people afforded their rights or not even their rights but their respect within the space like a race like a trail running event and people are aware and conscious and considerate and being able to be kind in that way, like kind in relation to this community, then it'll only benefit me as well. It won't bring me down if that someone else feels more included, more heard, more seen, and having a chance to feel like they are in a place to feel safe and comforted. It will not, their comfort won't bring me discomfort or their or they're feeling a safe won't bring me harm. It'll actually help me feel even more safe or even more able to be my authentic self within those spaces. And at the same time, you know, I also visit this idea that it's already one thing to try and compete at an elite competitive level. But just because I'm a brown person, I also recognize that well, he's the brown guy. He's You're asking the native guy about diversity, equity, inclusion, or representation, or all these social matters. And yet, I see within this predominantly white community, you're, they're not asking white athletes, like, what do you think about that? <laughs> like, what do you think about the social issues going on in our society? All the focus is on for them is, well, how are you such an amazing athlete? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's almost sometimes there's an extra burden put on to people of color within those spaces if they are part of a small, like a niche group, like or a niche, a niche sport like ultra trail running. It's there's a lot of like it's a it's a burden in some cases. It's a beautiful thing to accept that burden and to transform it into now I have this platform and I can share and hopefully inspire and influence another generation or another or people to step up. But when you think about the dynamics within, as it relates to other white competitors or people that are non-Indigenous Black people, then it, it's kind of like, uh, it's it's a fine line. Because when we're talking about competition, 
you know, there's this talk around that, like, you know, you want to be, you just got to focus on the goal and the goal is to win a race. The goal is to win as many races or to be the most competitive and strong and faster and fit person. And when you have this other thing blow, thrown into it, like, oh, can you talk about race too? It's, it's, you, you realize that's where the complexities come into it. You know? Right. Yeah. So. No, I think that <laughs> that's, that's uh, really well said. And I think, um, I think that's a good place to kind of wrap up. I, I appreciate you sharing all of that. I think it was just really well put. And I, and I, I appreciate you being willing to, to talk about that. Um, even if other people aren't necessarily getting those same questions and I've been guilty of that myself. So, <laughs> um, I appreciate that. You yeah, know, I, Oh, go ahead. No, I just saying you're welcome. And, you know, I just also want to be clear as best I can be clear is that like as a runner and, and moving it to the fact of like me moving messages throughout this, this practice, this routine is that I'm informed by the people I surround myself with. And I know that I've been taught a lot and been also been, been also humbled in some ways of that. Maybe that's not what I could also be coming off as but that it's all it's all a learning process and that's where like you know you're going to start the race but you also just got to be able to continue on that path as hard as it may get absolutely um so i got one more question for you and that's um you know what what are you listening to that kind of gets you going gets you motivated um you know maybe gets you out that door uh, as far as music yeah, I got a couple, man. I'm like, I've been enjoying some some cool ones. Um, surprisingly, a lot of people know that I like a variety of music, but um, as of lately, I kind of been, I don't know, I get, I kind of get a kick off of listening to like some like neo soul R and B, kind of like a uh, very, I don't know. Some people call it baby making music, or they call it like uh, <laughs> like classic R and B from like the '90s. But uh, I'd say, let's see, I got a couple songs right now. Uh, I like Hit Different by SZA right now. All right. Um, so I also like this other song called uh, Out of My Way by Rimon. She's an English-British black artist. Um, and then I'd say another one uh, is uh, Garden Kisses by Giveon. And if you listen to him on a run, I don't know if people will be like, this is motivating me. But <laughs> maybe that's because I'm just a very in tune with my emotional self and uh, – I like to think that when I'm going on a run, it's like lovemaking at times too. So <laughs> that's my expression, you know? Hey, no, I, I think that's awesome. You know, again, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I really enjoyed your insight. I think you're doing awesome things. And, uh, you know, is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? No, I'm just appreciative, man. Again, I, I recognize that you, you, you got something special here. And I think, you're doing a good service to all the people of New Mexico and being able to highlight New Mexico runners. And I, and I, I don't, I don't get a chance to share this much because, you know, when I'm in other races, whether that be international or national, I'm usually the only indigenous person there, but I also have a reverent or a respect for the fact of where we come from being New Mexico of having such rich history and runners. You know, there are many great runners that I don't think have been paid their due respect that have come from New Mexico 
And I appreciate that you're instilling a recognition of great New Mexican runners. Thank you for taking the time to join me today. If you can, please rate and review, but most importantly, spread the word so we can grow this community. If you know of any runners that deserve a shout out or should be interviewed, or you just want to share your runs and connect with other people, use the hashtag RunningNM on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow me at RunningNM on both these platforms. If you prefer to reach out by email, you can find me at RunningNewMexico at gmail.com. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud under DJ Teach. And until next time, keep running, New Mexico.